Welcome to the Tea Grannies. I'm Elise. And I'm Maria. Today we're here to talk about imposter syndrome, the lottery problem, and some of the other hurdles you'll encounter on your writing journey. This episode will focus on how to work through these problems and stay motivated. So pour yourself a cup of tea and let's get started. What is imposter syndrome? So I feel like I've talked about this with a lot of people in the last little while, maybe because of job transitions and all those other things. And I, for- because I've talked about it so many times, I forget that not everyone knows what it is. And a few times it's come up in conversation, I'll use the term imposter syndrome. And someone will look at me and be like, what's that? Are you a psychology major? No, dummy, use English. So um, I'm trying to be more aware of that. But at the same time, it's just, it's the perfect term to lump together what we're talking about. Um, It's one of my favorite conversations to have because it's literally everywhere. Like it's not specific to um, writing. It's not specific to editing, but because of how much it affects your writing or your editing life, we wanted to talk about it together today and just kind of bring it to the surface because once you're aware of it, it's a lot easier to manage those feelings. So you'll find this idea in pretty much every profession, every kind of category of life, whether you're a parent or not, whether you own pets or not, whether you try to take care of plants or not, like imposter syndrome is everywhere. um, And it's a really useful term as a conversation springboard. So as a brief definition that I've pulled from different conversations and from Dr. Google, um, imposter syndrome is this idea that you're secretly incompetent in your field and any apparent success that you've had up until this point has been flukes and coincidences and hasn't actually mattered. And eventually you think that someone will find out you're a fraud and you'll be exposed to the world and, you know, everything will go downhill from there. Um, So that's super fun. Everyone wants to think that. Uh, It kind of roadblocks you in a lot of areas if you're not ready to process through it. Um, The bad news is that most people probably feel this way or will feel this way about some aspect of their life at some point. If you haven't already, you can look forward to that. Uh, The good news is that it's almost definitely not true. Yeah. And the other thing that people don't realize is even the most successful people run into this problem. Yeah. And I know people who are successful, I think they're successful and they feel like that still. And I've had people um, like with horseback riding, this comes up pretty frequently. Like people are like, I'm not a good rider. I'm not a good rider, but they are, they just, you know, tell themselves that they're not. And it's all like their horse was just being really good. And like, no, no, you're actually good. Like, but it's very hard to overcome that within yourself mm-hmm. and how it affects writing and in the way I've experienced it is it makes you afraid to even write. Like when I wanted to get back into writing, I looked at the NaNoWriMo, the National Novel Writing Month for like the whole month of November. I Every day I was like, look at the website. I was like, no, I can't. I could never. I did that the whole time. And then I went an entire year leading up to it. And then I was like, you know what, like you can... You're going to do it. And I kind of got got over that small hump and start writing again. And uh, yeah, it's kind of embarrassing when I think about it, but whatever. And uh, the other thing that happens is if you are that scared to even write, uh, when you do write, you're going to come across as very tentative. And so will your story. And it also catches up to you when you're trying to Um, up the tension in your story you won't be able to because you're like too afraid that you're going to like ruin it and it'll take you a lot longer to sort through the issues with your draft or fix things that you know are wrong 
uh, just because you're so afraid of the change and the comments that might come with it and that it might expose you in some way that you're not ready for. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a lot of brain power to fight your own brain because <laughs> you're just working against yourself and that um, makes everything take longer. It's you're battling these discouraging ideas and um, it's really easy to get into a rut thinking you're not good enough. So why try? Um, so you're just you're constantly being pulled between what you love and feeling like you'll never be good enough. Um, so I've, I've thought about this on and off over the last little while and had some really good conversations about it. I don't know that I've really sat down and nailed down what I do to keep it from getting in my way. So I, I guess what are some strategies that you would use to deal with imposter syndrome? So the one that felt super silly to me in the beginning <laughs> uh, was the positive self-talk and the positive affirmations. Mm. I thought it was like, just hokey. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. Like, yeah. I'm never going to do that. But it, it works definitely for everyone else. Like some people are like, I'm going to stand in front of the mirror and say, like, I'm a writer three times. Um, and for people like me, I, I look at it like, I'm the boss of my story. And mm. what, who cares what people think of it or of me uh, while I'm writing it, because right now I'm writing it just for me like the first draft especially is just for you like figuring out what's going to happen in your story and everything like that you never have to share that you yeah. never have to so that's a great time to work on that uh, in yourself and then it helps you keep forward motion as well if you mm -hmm. kind of get in the, in the headspace of being like well who cares if people don't like this because even if like there's people that don't like there's some really famous authors out there really like people I think are really good and people don't like them. And then there's authors that people are obsessed with and I've picked up their book and never finished it because I didn't like it. I didn't like the style or whatever. It didn't work for me. And that's hard to accept when you're getting started or even sure. years down the road. <laughs> and the thing you do have to remember is that you are a writer, uh, whether you write content for websites or novels or short stories or fan fiction, like you are a writer and you don't need to be published to be one. And the other thing you should think about is you should believe the positive comments about you and your work as much as your readers and your writer, fellow writers and your friends believe it. Yeah, because I, I really like what you said about, um, especially when you're in first draft mode. I don't know if we really hammered this in when we did our last episode on, um, or our second, I think that was our second episode on first drafts, mm -hmm. um, that your first draft doesn't have to see the light of day. You can be the only person that ever sees that. Um, if you're the kind of person that then wants to hide it in a drawer and and leave it at that, I mean, that's, that's an option if you want to write only for you. Um, mm -hmm. But if you want anyone else to see it, writing that first draft for yourself and getting rid of those thoughts of like, what if people hate this? What if it's not good? What if I'm not good enough to make it? Like processing through those thoughts and putting them away and being like, okay, nobody's seeing this first draft. Nobody's seeing it. And when I'm done, I'll fix it. And then, um, and then someone can look at it and tell me what I missed. Um, I think that's really crucial and really important. And, um, I, yeah, again, I don't know how much we hammer that home in episode two, but Write for yourself first if that is what is going to get you through the draft because you can't edit what you don't have. You need to have that finished complete work to go back and revise it. So while you're writing through that first version of it, um, if it helps, think only of yourself. I enjoy this, so I'm going to write it. I think this is cool, so I'm going to put it in. I might take it out later, and that's fine. 
But for now, make it whatever story that you personally love. Or when you're envisioning whoever you write for. Like, I write for myself. Am I a selfish bastard? I don't know. But if you're writing for someone else, if you have this ideal reader in mind, some per- perfect person who will always like your work and you're writing for their mentality, um, do that. Write for them. Think about what would they want to see happen between these characters in this moment. Think about that in every scene. Think about that in every chapter, whatever you have to do. Um, but it doesn't matter if the rest of the world doesn't like it because that's not the point. That's not what we're counting at that moment in time. And you you can't you can't be an imposter in that situation. Like you're you're just doing it to do it and to have fun with it. And that's the bottom line. That's what matters. So I'm glad that you pointed that that, that out. And um, I think it's really important to remember. One of the reasons imposter syndrome gets a lot of people is because we're we're kind of raised and expected to only do things for a reason. Mm. If you tell someone you don't want to do something just because you don't want to, they kind of look at you like you're crazy. Yes. Like, what do you mean you don't want to? Like, you're allowed to yes. not want to do things or want to do things. Like, I write because I want to. And, uh, you know, I, I don't have a gym membership because I don't want to go to the gym. <laughs> And like, you don't need to give a list of reasons. It's sort of like the whole like, no is a complete sentence. Mm. Um, this is super true. And yeah. and you don't have to justify things. Like, nice. you're going to get people that are be like, why are you writing a story? Well, because I want to. And no one can argue with that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something that you want. You don't have to justify it. And people that ask you to justify it can just, you know. Like, <laughs> shut, shut it. <laughs> I didn't, didn't want to swear. <laughs> Good save. So, <laughs> and uh, another symptom of imposter syndrome is perfectionism. Uh, this can also just be a hurdle. Maybe you don't have imposter syndrome, but you are a perfectionist. And uh, this this can be tough because you end up, you're kind of the type of person who doesn't want to do something unless they could do it perfectly. Um, the unfortunate thing about that is you can't do anything perfectly if you haven't done it imperfectly many, many times. <laughs> so it's the whole practice makes perfect but um you've heard that a million times so nothing is perfect and you can people can tell you that hundreds millions of times and you will still be like no I can make this perfect like I can do it (laughs) and I'm I'm talking from personal experience here (laughs) and that's fine um the thing about perfectionism is to recognize that about yourself and set new Um, standards for yourself. So you're like, I want this to be perfect. But the chances of you actually knowing what the perfect product looks like are slim, because otherwise you would just be producing the perfect product. So what's perfect for you? So you want to make the scene you're working on right now more emotional, then it will be perfect. Okay. Um, If you are like, this draft will be perfect if I add this subplot for this character. Uh, that's all fine, but you have to set the bar at a manageable place and then you're working with yourself instead of against yourself. The flip side of that, I guess, seems like kind of the opposite of perfectionism um, is procrastination. And as I'm sure many of you know, it's definitely possible to struggle with both, even though they seem like they completely contradict each other. Um, I mean, first and maybe the least or most obvious side of that is perfectionism is a form of procrastination Mm -hmm. because 
you don't actually finish the project. You keep trying to perfect it. You keep trying to fix those little things that you think, well, okay, now it'll be perfect. Uh, but I still want to fix that 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 part in chapter four. And, okay, I've done that. And now it'll be perfect. Oh, but I just remembered there's a thing at the very end and I really want to fix it. And I think, yeah, okay. And like, it's never ending. You can always come up with things to change. And as you learn and grow, as you write more, you will go back to your old stuff and be like, oh, I wish I would have changed that. I wish I would have done that differently. So it's it's a never ending spiral. It's a never ending loop. I went through this loop as I was deciding whether or not to self-publish my first fantasy novel. Um, and once I got over the, like, the initial procrastination of finishing the draft and, you know, doing the actual work, then I moved into the perfectionism procrastination stage where I just wanted to make it perfect. I didn't want to hit publish until I knew that I was going to be happy with it. And the truth is I will never be happy with it. Like, <laughs> I've learned too much. Uh, there's no going back. So, yeah, at some point... Um, we have to teach ourselves to let go and perfectionism and procrastination can make that really hard. But if you're not going to move forward, if you if you want to move forward and you don't want to be stuck forever, I should say, your brain has to realize a few things. So first of all, you will never know everything about anything. Um, that's just a human impossibility, I think. That's my worldview. Um, two, nothing you put out into the world will ever look perfect to you. You'll always want to fix parts of it, even after publishing it, maybe even especially after publishing it, because then you're going to be extra insecure. Like now, okay, it's out there. Um, and that fear settles in. And then three, even in the light of those th two things, it's still worth pushing forwards. It's still worth finishing that draft or publishing that novel, doing it yourself, going through traditional, whatever it is that you want to do, even if you think you could do better, because as long as you're still learning and writing and growing and continuing to do all of that, you're constantly training yourself to be better. Um, pick your favorite author and compare some of their first books to some of their latest ones. This is especially helpful with someone like Brandon Sanderson or Stephen King, who's written a lot over the course of many, many years. Um, you as a reader... And nothing else, like if you're just reading for pleasure, nothing more, nothing less, you can look at that first book and look at that last book and you can see they got better. They learned things that helped them do better. You can also see like maybe where they slacked off in the editing stage because now they make so much money, it doesn't matter. But that's besides the point. You can also see how they improved. That's going to be there. I see that all the time when I'm reading authors who have just put out so many things over the course of such a long time because it's impossible not to progress if you're doing it seriously. Um, and no one is born an expert. Even even those who live long enough to become quote-unquote experts feel just as much as an imposter as we do because they don't know everything. Um, and, and that you can't escape that idea that you don't know enough, or if you could just do this, you would know a bit more. Um, if you could just learn how to do this one thing better, it would all fall into place. It would all be perfect. Um, all of those thoughts can, if, if you sink too deep into them, that can settle you into that procrastination mode. Um, and just putting things off because you're not ready, you're not good enough, whatever those things are, but you're not going to get good enough if you don't keep doing it because you're not putting in the work to get better. So, you know, I don't, I don't know about you, but that is very comforting to me. Um, cause it means like this whole thing, the imposter syndrome idea, the perfectionism, the procrastinating, it's normal. It's a normal reaction. It's something that probably everybody does, whether they want to admit it or not. And it's a hundred percent possible to overcome it for yourself because there's so many writers out in the world who do it regularly. And I'm not just talking about big names who 
became overnight sensations and all that stuff. Like there's midless authors that maybe I've never heard of that put out books every few years. They do it regularly. They write for a living and they still keep going, even though they might not feel like the best of the best. So next we'll talk about setbacks. You're going to have them no matter how good you are. The best people have them. Uh, and it's always kind of an ongoing journey to be kinder to ourselves and and keep pushing forward despite that. And for most of us, the setback is going to come in the form of getting negative feedback. Negative feedback can do a lot of things to you. It can zap your desire to write. It can make you insecure about your edits. It can make you feel like you are the fraud that you believe that you are. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, it's usually, you know, it can come from something as innocent as like, I would have liked to see your character do X instead of Y um, to something as severe as writing isn't a real job. Uh-huh. And uh, I think I think we've all heard that one. I'm yeah. pretty sure we have. And, and I did hear that from someone, um, not an immediate family member, but someone within the family circle said that to me. And it, it was uh, hurtful in a way that they did not mean. And it uh, took me about a week before I could write again after and I don't think I'm I'm overly sensitive if anything I'm kind of a bitch so I was like (laughs) why is this upsetting me so much Um, but it it does it hits you in that really sensitive place and writing is one of those things where it's kind of like when you give people your work it's like you're giving them your diary so when someone kind of gives you like a negative reaction it it hurts so much more than if someone said they didn't like something you did at your day job I'd be like that's too bad but if they say it about my writing I'm like oh my god they hate me and I suck and that's a pretty normal reaction for a lot of writers I feel like self-confidence is something we all should be working on <laughs> yeah we all need counseling <clears throat> yeah <laughs> and uh so these comments like i would treat them very much like you do when you get feedback on your work so keep what's helpful and discard the rest so okay like your family members or friends think you'll never make money writing all right well i mean to come at it from like the other side of it how many of them are doing their dream job okay not a lot of us are <laughs> and uh, a lot of us our dream job is no job so there's a lot of us that are really not doing our dream job <laughs> and <laughs> sometimes you have to decide like um you know when your parents tell you this kind of thing it's usually because they want to see you become like self-sufficient and like a sure. lot of people uh, believe that the arts are not capable of giving you enough income to mm-hmm. live on or to have a life that you want um but sometimes these comments come from a, a jealous place of someone who who would have loved to pursue something like that, but they didn't have the resources or sure. or the motivation or they, they didn't know where to start. And so they just never did. And it yeah. just became like a big dream, like, you know, us wanting to go to Hogwarts, right? Like, <laughs> never going to come true. It's still there. <laughs> and, uh, and the other thing that that you can like you should understand and that you can get people in your life to understand is like writing doesn't have to become a full-time career it can be a, something on the side for you you can have a day job like I have a day job that um I'll probably be chained to for a very long time and I'm still I still want to write and be published and do this podcast and make it work with my that's life and that's fine too um but if I ever had the chance to be a writer full-time I totally would do it because why not <laughs> Yeah, I've definitely heard the writing isn't a real job line. Um, 
a few different times. And uh, yeah, people either tell me to get my head out of the clouds and focus on reality. Um, and then the flip side, I have people who tell me, pursue my dreams and ignore everything else. Ignore the naysayers, mm-hmm. ignore the details even, which is not helpful not either. Because like you're saying, <laughs> you, you might not make it as a full-time writer. That might not be your reality. You might have to do it on the side. But if it's something that you love doing, like for me, it's always been, I love writing and I do it in my free time, whether people are reading it or not. Like it's just, mm-hmm. it's just a thing that I do and I enjoy doing it for myself. Um, and that's not going to change anytime soon. So my mentality is mostly like, why not try to make some money off it and see what happens? <laughs> but like, I don't know, I've, I've heard it both ways and responding to it can be really tricky because depending on how it's said or who's saying it, it can be extra hurtful. Um, I did want to say like my parents are actually two of my biggest supporters in this, which I recognize is quite rare, can be quite rare with like arts focused people. Um, and they've encouraged me to no end to pursue this as a career and be serious about it. I, maybe because they didn't get to pursue all the things that they wanted to and they want to see me do that or whatever it is, whatever the reasoning is. Um, ever since I was a teenager, they like to tell me how proud they are that I'm still plugging away. And I just wanted to recognize that and say thank you to my mom and dad for that because th- not every mom and dad is like that. And that is one of the things that keeps me going and lets me know that like, no, I, I do have people who support me in this and doing this is okay. I'm not wasting my time because I'm doing something that I love. Um, and it's not all about the money necessarily. Um, that said, some of my closest friends have been the naysayers and that hurts like hell. Like (laughs) it's not fun to have a friend tell you your, your head is in the clouds and that's never going to happen for you. Especially when they like, I don't know what's worse. If they read your stuff and tell you it's never going to happen or if they don't read your stuff and tell you it's never going to happen because (laughs) I think it's worse if they read your stuff and say it's never going to happen. You're like, Oh, it was atrocious, huh? Like, thanks for the feedback. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm gonna go jump off a cliff now. Thank you. <laughs> just remember, they might not be your ideal reader. Yes, they might not read in true. your genre, but yeah, I think sometimes we don't like with the with the whole imposter syndrome. We often don't trust people's positive feedback enough. Um, with with the other side of it, sometimes, probably most of the time, we trust the negative feedback way too much. Um. There's a balance to be struck there. I haven't found it. I don't know how to find it. I'm continuing to try to find it. But um, a few of the things that I found really helpful for myself to make myself take space from those conversations and then look back and remember that, first of all, this person is my friend and they want the best for me. Whether they're conveying that in a healthy way or not is besides the point. They want the best for me. Okay. Um, That doesn't mean that they're right. And that doesn't mean that they have a say in this area of my life. So I can say thanks, but no thanks, and go my own way. And their perceptions of what makes a successful career or a real career or a successful life aren't my be-all, end-all. My success looks different than theirs does, and that's okay. And I can make up my own mind, and we can still be friends, unless it's a really toxic relationship. And then that's another issue to uh, <laughs> to consider. Uh, The other thing to consider when you're talking to your friends and family and they're, you know, maybe being supportive, maybe not, is uh, success looks different for everyone. Uh, Some people don't think that they'll be successful till they're like a manager. Some people don't think they're successful till they've been traditionally published and that and being self-published is not enough for them. Uh, For some people, self-publishing is the dream. And so 
that's fine. Like you don't have to measure up to uh, someone else's idea of success. And uh, (laughs) just like my side note, funny story was uh, my parents are very supportive of the writing thing as well. Because I always used to write little stories. I'd write notes and like they used, I used to make them read everything, which I'm sure was extremely (laughs) tedious. Now that I'm an adult, like, man, that must have sucked. (laughs) They have so much patience. Um, But my favorite one, my dad was here one day uh, hanging out with my husband. So like besties. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go upstairs and write. And my dad's like, okay, like get to work writing those bodice rippers so you can make lots of money. <laughs> I was like, not, not quite what I'm working on, but Thanks, I really dad. appreciate your enthusiasm, dad. <laughs> they might entirely misinterpret what it is you do, but they support yes. you 100%. <laughs> exactly as long as they're supportive it's all good that stuff can come later that's amazing (laughs) that's that is my favorite story your dad is my hero that is one of the good ones yeah (laughs) (laughs) that was so funny i remember snorting (laughs) 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 you just say to me because i told him like romance authors make a lot of money like they make the most money and he was like get up there right Dad. <laughs> All right, Dad. I'm not sure if I ever expected you to say that to me in my entire yeah. life, but here List we are. List of things I never thought I'd hear my parents say to me for hundred dollars. <laughs> like that was it. Kind of attached to that um, from negative comments you might hear from other people or the way that people talk about getting published and how that can be considered a pipe dream or whatever it is. Um, You might hear a lot of people talking about how publishing is just this big lottery draw and the chances of getting picked in that lottery, being noticed, getting to be successful at the end of the line are just so hit and miss that it's not lucrative. So why even try all of that? Wonderful. Your head's in the clouds kind of nonsense, right? Um, For me, responding to that uh, has always come down to my own personal expectations and motivations, because that's the only thing I have control over. Like, there's a certain amount of truth to the idea that traditional publishing is a bit of a lottery. You're trying to please people that you can't know what they're going to like, and you can't please everybody. And the market is so flooded, in especially in, like, the genres that we're writing in, in fantasy or romance or whatever it is, that being noticed in a way that's positive and that is going to get you somewhere can be really hard. It can be a bit of a shot in the dark. Um, And I can't control that. We can't control that for anyone. We can't... Maybe if you know someone, you have connections, that might help you get in. But the chances of that right now are uh, COVID low. So, (laughs) uh, yeah. The next thing that you can control is how you go into it, your expectations and why you're going into it. So that's what I look at. Um, and I'm just, I'm just not going into this expecting to be the next Brandon Sanderson or Sarah J. Mass or whatever it is. That's just too out there, too lofty. Um, if that's my expectation from the starting gate, I'm going to be disappointed. Um, I'm going to get rejected along the way. It's going to be hard. I'm going to feel like a failure. I'm going to feel like an imposter. All those things are going to happen. And if I'm expecting to be this overnight sensation, um, how am I ever going to move forward? Like, if this is bursting your bubble a little bit, I do apologize for that. But like, the thing is, I will never count on a goal like that. Will it like, 
as I said, I'm, I'm writing stories anyways. I'm doing that for fun. I'm doing that for myself. That's how I started. So I go back to the reason why I started. I didn't start writing stories when I was 12 years old because I wanted to be the next biggest, greatest hit. I started writing it because I saw something in a story that I really liked and I wanted more of it. And I didn't have money to go and buy books because I was 12 and I couldn't be employed. So write it. I'm going to write it. I'm going to write the characters that I want onto the pages that I want. And then I never have to spend money except on notebooks. And my parents will buy that because they think I'm being educated Productive. or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And I mean, even beyond that, Sarah J. Mass, Brandon Sanderson, the big names, that's not the only tier of writer that there is either. Like I was saying, there's mid-list authors and authors who put out, like, there's certain people that put out one book in their entire life. That's their magnum opus that's the one thing that they do and that's enough for them they never put out another book after that and that works for them maybe they make it big maybe they don't maybe people remember it for 10 years and then forget about it maybe they remember it for a long time after that we're not in control of that um and self-publishing now is always a possibility so if you're shooting for traditional publishing that's great shoot for that go hard do everything in your power control what you can and let the rest fall where it may. But always remember that self-publishing is a possibility. It's always going to be there. If you want to be published badly enough, you will be. And I take a lot of comfort in that because I want to try this. I want to see where it goes. Um, I used to be of the opinion that I only wanted to do it if I could get traditional because I didn't want to have to market my own stuff. But it turns out you have to market your own stuff either way. So um, <laughs> if you're willing to learn what it takes to be a self-published author, that's always an avenue that will always be open to you because it be it's become more reputable. It's become more respected as time has gone on. And uh, there's just so many different ways that you can do it and different things you can pay for if you don't want to do it all yourself and so many options, so many options. So for me, the rules are that if I want to, first of all, I will be published someday. And second of all, maybe I'll have a small following of people who love my work and that's it. And that can be enough for me. I have decided that that could be enough because a small following can take a person a long way and that's worth remembering. Um, it, you don't, you don't have to make it big. You don't have to have millions of people reading what you write to make a living even as an author. So that's, that is worth considering and remembering. And if that helps you keep going and keep writing and keep pushing for the next thing so that you don't get stuck in the spirals that we've talked about, then that's worth a thought. Yeah, I used to be the same way. Like it's traditional publishing or nothing. Um, and then my first book that I queried, sorry, the only one I've queried at this moment in time um, was rejected like 60 times. <laughs> I went, okay, self-publishing started to look all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the table now and it wasn't uh -huh. before. Uh -huh. And now my, my current plan is to uh, query my next project which is almost ready to go once I send it to you for copy edit it's going to be ready and uh, I'm going to query that and I'm going to give that one more go and if that doesn't get anywhere then I'm going to self-publish it because you know I want it to get out there at some point and if that's what it takes then that's what I'm going to do and I'm in the same same boat like um, you know like a lot of authors don't make a big splash when they first get published and I think like with many, many like art type careers, a loyal following will do more for you in the long run. Uh, and it's less pressure as well. If you kind of gradually build your fan base or, or whatever, um, you know, you can still find a lot of success doing that. 
And uh, I would hate to be an overnight sensation. I would hate that so much. Like <laughs> right. I'm almost like, oh yeah, I want to get published, but like, don't, don't love it too much, everyone, because <laughs> I would be so anxious if I was like an overnight sensation. Like suddenly everyone's looking at you, looking at your old social media posts, like picking apart every word you've ever written, no matter where you wrote it. That scares me because, yeah. And like probably listening to this podcast, I mean, like, man, she sounds like a dumbass. Like that's not what I want. <laughs> so that's just, uh, that's me looking at the, the downside. The upside would be, I would be an overnight sensation and I'd be like, I feel successful. <laughs> but like I said, there's lots of different ways to be successful and you definitely don't have to go all the way to be considered successful. <laughs> Based on what we've talked about, based on all the other things that kind of branch out from these topics, there's quite a bit in the writing process that can lead to spirals of anxiety and all those worries and fun things that make you doubt yourself, uh, feelings of inadequacy, um, especially if you're not taking care of your mental health and thought patterns along the way. Like, I know I have the tendency to just kind of coast on, keep doing what I'm doing, get the tasks done, check off the lists, and not think about how I'm feeling, and not think about whether I've had a break in the last seven days. And um, that that can lead to the feelings hitting when I'm least expecting it, because I no longer have that buffer between me and unexpected situations. I've filled myself too full of everything else, and when something unexpected hits, I'm not I don't have the capacity to deal with it in a healthy way. So it's really important to to consider where you're at mentally, emotionally, and um, to find ways to handle things, unexpected things, or feelings that are more negative um, in a way that's going to help you grow and move forward and not get you stuck. So I think both of us would say that some of the biggest helps for that is a writing buddy. We talk weekly, if not daily, and... Mm-hmm. All of the feelings come out like we have developed quite a friendship over the course of what used to be just writing sprints. Um, and now we just kind of dump everything on each other <laughs> and apologize <laughs> for it later. But <laughs> it's a good arrangement. I'm happy with it. It works for me. I can't do without it anymore. <laughs> right. So writing buddy is probably the number one for us if you're more into the one on one. Writing groups can also be a really helpful platform for that because if you can get into a group of people talking about these shared experiences um, they're going to understand you kind of right away you don't even have to necessarily explain it and then you'll be able to talk through it if you're struggling with anxiety if you're struggling with imposter syndrome name that um, be open and honest about it with people that you trust who will understand your situation and not tell you to like get a real job don't tell these people these things because that won't help you (laughs) find people that believe in you find people that support you and share those feelings with them um and this counts for anxiety around um publishing too like if you're if you're considering traditional if you're considering self-publishing and wondering about all that maybe you don't know where to start maybe you don't know who to ask um writing buddies writing groups they'll help you talk through it they might have some different opinions but just that 
that act of conversing around the issue can be really helpful. And then resources like we've talked about the Creative Academy a few times. Um, that's such a great place to go whenever you have questions or worries or you just want to know more about some part of the writing process or you feel like you don't know anything about this part of the editing process or what this looks like in traditional versus self-publishing. Um, the Creative Academy has so many learning hubs. And if you're willing to take the time to read up on something or watch a quick video or listen to a podcast. Um, you're not going to learn everything right away. It's going to be a slow and gentle process. So be gentle with yourself and take on what you can and leave the rest for later. And that's okay. Um, that's going to serve you more in the long run than just getting stuck in your own head and letting those feelings take over. We don't want that to happen. It's not a fun time. So we're here to help. You can message us on Instagram. You can send us an email and we're happy to chat about writing things. We always like collecting more people in our circle who do the things we do and don't tell us to get a real job. So <laughs> yeah, don't hesitate to reach, reach out to us, um, especially mm -hmm. on Instagram. I, I head up the Instagram account and I'm on it all the time because I have queen. no self-control. <laughs> And if it was left so. up to me, it wouldn't get done. So that's why she does it. And she does a great job. Why well, you gave it to the person with the Instagram addiction. So I'm like, I'll take care of it. It was strategic. Very strategic. So yeah, we love connecting with other writers and uh, we're very happy to hear from you. And that's the tea on imposter syndrome and the lottery problem. All links will be in the show notes and you can reach us anytime at thetgrannies at gmail.com or follow us at the Tea Grannies podcast on Instagram. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to put the kettle on. We'll see you again in two weeks. Happy writing.